Acts chapter 10 is one of the most important chapters in the Bible. It is the chapter when God moved Peter out of his comfort zone and commanded him to tell Gentiles about Jesus. Let's join Dave Wurtzen as we continue our study, Breaking Out of the Enemy Group. One thing we might think about this morning that just really is gripping my heart is the reality that it could be that our religion, the religious things that we're so committed to, are keeping people from coming to know Jesus. It could be that some of our dearest religious convictions about what we eat, about what we wear, about what we do, those could be the things that are keeping people that are lost, that don't know what forgiveness of sin is, are keeping them from coming to Jesus. Dave, why are you going to talk to us about that? Because in the book of Acts, as we turn to Acts chapter 10, we've got a man who is an Orthodox Jew. And an Orthodox Jew doesn't ever eat pig, never eats pork, doesn't know what a pork chop is. He worships at 6 o'clock Friday night, and he is totally committed to being a good business person, like out there in the marketplace, like he'll be a good fisherman, he'll be very skillful at what he does. But when it comes to his personal relationships, like when it comes to the people that he has in his home, the people that he eats with, the people that he chums with, an Orthodox Jew would never be with what they called the goyim. Those are the others, the Gentiles. Those are the people that are not Jews. As I, I want you to know, for example, as you think about this morning, every one of you have, like I shared with you last week, you have your in-group. Every one of you have friends that you eat with. How many of you have eaten with a friend this week? How many of you have gone out to eat with a friend? I want you to think about that circle of friends. The people that you go out to eat with, the people that you have in your home, the people you invite to your party to watch A&M get beaten by... No, I'm only kidding. No, The people, if you're an Aggie, then you're grieving today, and you have a whole circle of friends that are Aggies. Those of us that are Longhorn fans, we had a week off. Those are the connections you have. And I want you to think about those connections. Because the Lord in our passage today is going to tell us that one of the most powerful ways that we can reach out in the world is through those kinds of friendships, the people we have in our home, the people we associate with. And what the Lord God of heaven is going to do is going to challenge us to think through what are the things that are so powerful in our lives, they're so precious to us, that they're keeping unbelievers, people that feel they're on the outside from finding out that they can be on the inside. We begin the passage today with a scene where the Apostle Peter, this Orthodox Jew, is in Joppa. It's right on the Mediterranean Sea. I've actually been in the city. You can still see the ruins of the city. It's a gorgeous place. It looks right over the Mediterranean. Uh, Modern-day Tel Aviv is just right around the corner from ancient Joppa. And so that's the place. The Apostle Peter has just raised Dorcas from the dead. And he is having recuperation time with Simon the Tanner, which is kind of a joke because he's a tanner. He's got dead hides all over the place. He's really not very clean. But this Orthodox Jew is having table fellowship. He's actually been invited into the home of Simon the Tanner, which a whole lot of you have done. 
He gets hungry about noon, like a lot of men do. He'd gone up on the rooftop to pray. Again, culturally, you need to get the picture. These are not like Texas roofs that are like this where you'd slide off. But these are Middle Eastern roofs, and they're still present today. They build their homes with a flat roof, and that's the area you go up to have wind and the breeze and the refreshment. And Peter, this great apostle, goes up, and he is going to pray. So he's holy. He just, anybody here have the habit of in the midday, you just take a break and you pray. That's an incredible habit to have. But God had this special surprise for him. Look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 9. It says, about noon, the following day, while Cornelius' servants, and I'm adding there so you get the back picture, while Cornelius is sending three servants, a soldier, one of his devoted household slaves, and another one, they come on their journey. They're approaching the city of Joppa. So the Lord had perfect timing in this story. And Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, so all of you ladies and some of you men that are good at cooking, there you go. That's a great way to bless people. So they're preparing a meal, a special meal for Peter. He fell into a trance. He goes into kind of a semi-unconscious. He's conscious, but he's now the veil between heaven and earth has been demolished for a little bit. And the Lord's going to really talk to him. It says he saw heaven open. This is really powerful. Those of you that some of the younger ones, if you really like drama, you like video, this is a powerful scene. This guy goes into kind of a trance, and all of a sudden he sees heaven open. Whenever the scripture says, and heaven was opened, really watch out. Because God doesn't open heaven all the time, and when he does, he's got something really important to talk to. And you want to be sure that you investigate people that claim to have heaven, heaven open to them. Because those people are very important. And the Apostle Peter had heaven open to him because he's one of the eyewitnesses of the crucified, resurrected Savior. We need to listen to him. He doesn't have just spurious visions. This is the real thing. What does he see? God is incredibly powerful and very creative. He sees a large sheet. And it's tied together at the four corners, and it's being let down to the earth. I can just see the Apostle Peter say, man, what in the world is in this sheet? So here's this great big sheet coming down out of heaven. Here's the Apostle Peter going, what's in the sheet? Tremendous tension in the story. Then they open the sheet. What's inside of it? It says there's all kinds of four-footed animals. There's reptiles. How many like reptiles? I know Jeannie Bauckham likes reptiles, but most of you ladies can't stand them, so we're already squeamish about this. We've got tons of reptiles and the birds of the air. And then a voice says and presents Dave Wurtzen's life verse, kill and eat. You really need to feel the tension in this story. This is an Orthodox Jew. We almost have reminiscences of God in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, filling the earth with the wild animals. But for a Jew, this is a bad scene. Because as the animals are left down, especially when you mention, now there's clean and unclean four-footed beasts, but reptiles are unclean. This is not the good thing. And a lot of the birds of the heaven are not good things. So the thrust of this story is not the idea that these are animals, hey, I can pick some of them. It's like the Lord makes this Orthodox Jew look at a whole plate full of beautiful honey-baked ham and he says, enjoy. That's the thrust of this passage. Now, how are you going to react to that? This happens. In order to get something across, you need to use repetition, and the Lord understands that. Because I understand this morning, some of you have religious scruples, and so do I, that aren't going away. 
And you're going to have to be told over and over again, but I really want you to ask yourself, I want you to enter into Peter's experience today. Because when your religious tradition cuts across the command of God, when your religious scruples, when your religious beliefs, when your religious practices cut across God's revelation, that's when you decide what your authority is going to be. And one of the things that's happening in the world is that Christianity, like first century Judaism, has become a religion. And it's become a whole series of what you eat and what time you worship and what you do and what you don't do, the clothes you wear, the times you worship, on and on it goes. And that's blocking people from really meeting people that know the resurrected Jesus. So we need to enter into this story because the Apostle Peter is one of the leaders of this first century movement where he actually saw Jesus hang on the cross for people's sins. He actually saw Jesus rising in from the dead. But in his heart, he's closed. He doesn't want to reach out to people that aren't like him. He has religious scruples. And the Lord drops this sheet out of heaven. And then he commands him to disobey the cultic law of the Old Testament. And this is a really hard one. One of the ways to judge whether you're into religion and not into relationship is that you really have trouble when in the progress of revelation, God tells you, hey, we're not just going to worship on Saturday morning anymore. We're not just going to worship on the seventh day. We're going to change it. You can worship any day you want. If you're really locked into religion, that bothers you. If God suddenly tells you, hey, I know you've been keeping all these food laws from the Old Testament, but the purpose of that was for me to keep my people separate so the Messiah could come into the world. But now that the Messiah has come into the world, you don't need to be such a separate people anymore. I want you to open your heart, and I want you to start reaching out to people that are unlike you, to Gentiles, and I want you to invite them into your homes, and I'm going to demolish this idea that Jews only eat with Jews. And they, they communicate the Gentiles. The Gentiles are the outgroup, and they are unclean people. This is really a rugged passage. When it looks like God is commanding you to go against the traditions that have become so powerful in our lives, that's when it gets tough. What are you going to do? So the apostle experiences this three times. Three times the sheep comes down. Three times he looked at all these unclean animals. And three times the Lord tells them to kill and eat. And then the Lord kind of removes the symbol, removes the sheet thing. Look what he tells them. The Lord tells them to get up and surely eat. In verse 14, Peter says, surely not, Lord. And here Peter communicates what I was just communicating to you. I've never eaten anything impure or clean. I can just hear the Orthodox Jew saying, hey, I'm kosher. I'm kosher. I'm kosher. Never eaten anything unclean. The voice said, don't you call anything impure that God has made clean. We want to ask ourselves this morning is, who really gets to decide who the in-group is and who the out-group is? Are you determining who your in-group is and who your out-group is, or do you let God determine that? What's my attitude towards those that I think are out? That's what the Lord is saying. It's in Peter, I'm the one that judges. So one of the things that really gripped my heart this morning is I said, Dave, are you judging? Have you made yourself the judge of all the earth? And that you make people in or out based upon your judgments. One of the things the living God is saying, hey, I decide who gets in and who gets out. And I'm the ultimate judge in the universe. And that's going to be focused at the end of this passage in Jesus, the ultimate one that will judge the living and the dead. 
He said, this happened three times, and immediately the she was taken back to heaven. And while Peter was wondering, you can imagine while Peter was, he's, the idea is he's debating his mind, what in the world's going on here about what's the meaning of the vision? The men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was. They stopped at the gate, and they called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. So this is a vivid picture. This is like a three-corner house. You come to the gate. It's, it's not one of these deals where you have the intercom, although with a modern society, you go, hey, it's this the place where Simon the Peter is being entertained as a guest. Perfect timing. That's what's going on. It's like somebody coming to your house and getting on the intercom. Is this Simon Peter being entertained as a guest in your house? So now Peter has to make a decision. What's he going to do? And it says right at that time they called out and while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, and I pray that the Spirit will say to some of us this morning, open your heart. Let go of your, some of the scruples that are blocking you from really connecting with people, from really having conversations. He's saying to me, Dave, watch out for the things that are just your traditions, just your religious ideas, the way you were brought up and the way that you've come to think about human relationships. I want you to open your heart because I've got some people that are knocking at the door. They want to come in. And will you have a receptive heart? It says the Spirit of God says to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs for you. Go downstairs, do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. You know, I think the Lord Jesus this morning, I think there's some of you the Lord Jesus is saying, I want you to get up, I want you to go, and I want you to connect with some people that I've begun to bring into your group. We're in an incredible thing. As I look around this room, there's some of you all day yesterday, you played soccer on the soccer field. You coached soccer. Some of you ref soccer. Some of you sat in stands. Some of you are grandparents where you sat in those stands. My own grandkids don't live in Midlothian, so I don't have those connections. But a lot of you do. You know what the Lord Jesus is telling you this morning? He says, will you get up and will you obey him and will you invite some of those people? After the game, to go to eat at McDonald's, to go and eat at Big Burger, whatever it is. On and on it goes. Relationships start. What has built our church through over through the years, what has caused people to come to know Jesus, has been those kinds of relationships. It's been people that have open hearts, that are excited about connecting with people. And that's what the Spirit of God is saying to us. He's saying, will we have an open heart? And it happens as you go into the veterinarian, it happens as you go into the Walmart, it happens as you're, as you're going to different events that our community has, as you're involved. And you've got business relationships, you have school relationships, you've got all kinds of opportunities where the Lord is saying, I want you to get up and I want you to open the door. But Peter has to make a decision. He's an Orthodox Jew. And the Holy Spirit has directly told him, this is exactly what that vision's about. Those three guys need to be welcomed in your house. But it's hard. When all your life you've only identified with kosher people. And this is the big one. We're going to be spending the next several paragraphs getting out of the mess that Peter makes in the local church of Jerusalem over the next steps that he makes. So when I talk to you about having a group that just has an open heart, you invite all kinds of people in. And you, you're breaking through religious scruples. And you really want to bring all different kinds of people to Jesus. I want you to realize all of hell breaks loose against them. And that's what's going to happen in the early church. The Jerusalem Jews 
the next step that Peter makes are going to be incredibly powerful because he goes downstairs and invites three Gentiles, Cornelius, his soldier, and two of his household servants to come into his house, and Peter actually treats them as a guest. And the text is really powerful here because Peter doesn't own this house. Who owns the house? Yeah, it's like, so who should welcome them in? But, the, the, but Luke tells you the story. It's Peter that takes the initiative because he's the apostle. He's the one that has authority. And this is very powerful because this is going to be what eventually turns the table. It is God's Holy Spirit taking the initiative through one of his really powerful ordained apostles, and he welcomes people in. I want to ask you a question again. Remember I asked you the question, who do you eat with? Who you eat with determines your in-group. And what the Holy Spirit is doing in this passage is saying, I want you to open your in-group wider. I want you to open your in-group wider. That's what this text is about. And I believe it's one of the most powerful things we need to ask the Holy Spirit to do because I believe one of Satan's biggest tricks that he causes a group of believers that really know that Christ died on the cross for their sins, they really know that Christ rose again, but he makes their in-group smaller and smaller and smaller, more and more limited. And we have to make a decision. Will I understand that the Lord is saying, hey, I'm reaching out. I'm the one that determines who's the insider and who's the outsider. And on my heart is, I love the world, God the Father said. For God to love the world, that he gave an only begotten son. And let's let the Holy Spirit challenge us. What's the world? Who's the person at work? Who's the person in your family? Who's the person that you consider an outsider? And it comes down to things like, people will tell me, like, I don't like being with them. Man, they cuss all the time. What do you expect someone that doesn't know Jesus to do? I go out to them and they order a beer. Ah! I can see the lightning bolt come. That's what cuts people off. And then we raise a whole group of people that our kids go out and do all of those things. And they rebel against Jesus. And some of them have never really even met the resurrection transforming power of Jesus. That's what's going on in this passage. That you're a person that takes the abuse. You take the teasing, but you don't break relationship. And you go out and eat fish, and you go out and have steaks, and you go out and work on projects. You go out and help them with their home. You go out and fix their car for them. That's what's going to reach our community. That's what this passage is about. It's taking a person that has incredible closeness, incredible religious scruples, and God demolishes those things and says, you've got the life-transforming, eternal life message of Jesus. And there are people, Roman soldiers, who have an open heart, who need to hear that message. What will you do about it? Peter goes down and invites them into your house. So one of the things I want you to really be thinking hard about is who can you invite into your house? to eat with you that's outside your in-group. And one of the things we want to to really be praying about, like in small group ministry and Sunday school classes, like your Sunday school classes can explode if you start intentionally planning what are some things we could do with a Sunday school class that a person that doesn't know Jesus would like to do 
and we're going to do it together, invite a lot of our friends just to come and be with us. It might be the Ranger playoffs as they get going. And in your business that you get tickets for those games. And instead of inviting all your believing friends to come with you, you hang out with one believing friend and maybe three unbelieving friends. That's what I want to spur your minds to do. That's what this passage is about. The next section is Peter. Now we change the scene. Peter gets up and he goes with these guys and he goes to Cornelius' house. And we have this home scene. If you look at the next paragraph, it says, The men replied, We have come from Cornelius, the centurion. He's a righteous man. Tells you again what he's like. It says that Peter invited the men, verse 25, into the home to be his guests. And then the next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along with them. So he's going to take some witnesses. These are some Jewish believers from Joppa. They're going to see what happened. It says, The following day, he arrived in Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting him and had called together his relatives and his close friends. And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. Now, what's going on here? This is something that we need to really pray about. Because this is a perfect opportunity for God's voice to really change hearts. What's the scene? As Peter walks into Cornelius' house, everyone's sitting there. I wonder if he can do it today. I wonder if the apostle is going to be on key. He doesn't have near the rhythm and the cadence of Tony Evans. Boy, he doesn't use those figures of speech. And man, he certainly doesn't have that script like Chuck Swindoll has. He doesn't have the fire that we used to have when I was an Assembly of God person where, man, the Spirit of God came around and we jumped around and we danced and on and on it goes. What the body of Christ has become in America is it's like we're going to the theater. Now, when you go to this special courageous movie, you have every right to be a consumer. That's the point of a movie. It's not the point of this morning. You see, as Americans, and this is true, those of you that are teachers, I'm going to spread this out. In our culture, if the message doesn't get across, whose fault is it? It's always the speaker's fault. In our culture, it's always the speaker's fault. And I want you to stop and think about it, because being a little bit older, you know that some of the most powerful things that I've learned were not communicated to me at all by powerful speakers. In fact, to be honest with you, I look back over my lifetime, a lot of the powerful speakers that I heard, as I analyzed it later, they had very little to say. And some of the people that didn't have any communicative ability, but they had life and they had experience. And when it comes to the things of God, they knew God. What I want you to know as a church family, this is really important, Cornelius' household, these are unbelieving Gentile people at this time. But they are showing us what it means to be prepared for God's Holy Spirit to really work. And I'm really speaking to myself. Because one of the things that I do when I listen to someone speak is, man, I have a checklist. Because when I teach preaching at, at Dallas Seminary, I have to gray guys on speaking. So what it does is it makes me, when I listen to someone speak, I'm going five minutes into the introduction. Have they presented their points? Have they presented their main scripture verses? Have they given a good transition? Now we're into the body of the talk. Are they developing the meaning of the text? 
Now we're moving to the conclusion. Have they driven home the message? Up, ah, 85. I can never hear God's voice when I do that. To be honest with you, what's really interesting, when I go to Eastern Europe, I don't usually use notes and I speak fluently. Like, and sometimes it seems like I'm going all over creation because I don't have a text. When I was in camping as a kid and a lot of the places where I go, especially with most American audiences, that's really good. But in a European audience, they think that's terrible because they're used to professors that read and the student has to really work hard to pay attention. And what I'm illustrating is that the Lord actually uses all different kinds of forms, all different kinds of ability. But what we want to pray, and you need to pray for me and I need to pray for you, we want to be a group of people that wherever we're hearing God's word, Cornelius says to the apostle Peter, he says, Peter, we have gathered with my family, my relatives, and my friends. We are in the presence of God, ready to hear what God commanded you to say. Let me say that again. Cornelius doesn't know, doesn't have the spirit of God living in his heart, but he's on the way. And he says to the apostle Peter, as Peter gets him off his knees, so don't ever worship any human teacher. Don't ever bow as a, as a believer. Don't you ever bow down beside, before anyone but Jesus. Don't ever do that. You don't need to bow before anyone because you're a priest. That's one of the things that, that this passage is teaching us. The apostle Peter is a great apostle, but he is not to be bowed before. That's real important. But then Cornelius says to the apostle Peter, as he stands up, he says, Peter, my home is here. My children are here. What an incredible example that he's won all their hearts. And all of my friends are here. There's a large group. We are here in the presence of God to hear all that God has commanded you to teach. And then next time we get together, we'll hear what the Holy Spirit teaches. Let's pray. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, what are the religious scruples, food, convictions you have about when you should worship, when you shouldn't worship, days, the way services should go. There's a million of them. Can some of you think, as I've been speaking, has the Holy Spirit touched something in your heart that you need to let it go so that you can open a door to get this incredible gospel message, this incredible relationship with Jesus into people that desperately need to hear it? And will you stand up and obey the Lord this week? How many of you have some relatives, family members, that you're not sure that they really understand what you've really come to know about Jesus? They don't really understand. They still think you're just into religion. Has the Lord laid some of those family members on your heart or a relative on your heart? You can write letters this week to clarify what your testimony is. You can get on the phone. You can call some of your family members. I believe that the Holy Spirit is not only opening up Cornelius' household in this passage, but I believe that the next few days he wants to open up hearts that you're connected with. Are there some guys at work that are your friends and they've been teasing you they mock you. They even call you the preacher, and it's been really tough on you. 
But when you're by yourself and it's one-on-one, they're asking some really great questions. That's what this text is about. Let's pray that the Lord's going to use us this week and he's going to use our our small group. He's going to use this time this morning. Let's pray that the Lord will use this time this morning, that anyone that's here that's like Cornelius, that's moving towards Jesus, that they'll realize that it's all about Jesus. It's not about being good and trying to keep religious rules. It's all about having this incredible Savior come and take up residence in their life. Now pray for the people the Lord laid on your heart, very specifically. Pray for those family members, those relatives. Let's ask that the Holy Spirit would have really touched nerves and touched our lives today. Let's pray that what we learn from the book of Acts, chapter 10, about an Orthodox Jew that obeyed the living God when the living God made it really clear, those religious rules I gave you in the Old Testament need to be put aside now because the incredible wonder of gracious forgiveness in Jesus has now become a reality.